today we have something very special, someone very special. We have uh, my pastor from Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, Pastor Tommy Schneider. And uh, this is the man that taught me to uh, cry. <laughs> I wasn't that sensitive of a guy, and then I hang out with you, and then it's just the waterworks, it just start coming. So um, I'm gonna try to just hold together. So why don't you just get up here before, <laughs> come on, before I start crying about you. Um, yeah, this is a man who has um, shaped me as a pastor. Uh, in my time at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, uh, there were three senior pastors. Uh, Pastor Ricky Ryan, and that is the man who taught me about the, the Spirit of God, and he discipled you, and his imprint on us is, is amazing. And then I was under the leadership of Pastor David Guzik, and that is a man who uh, taught me how to teach the Bible. Um, just an and we both, right, have been influenced by David Guzik. But, but this man has taught me to be a shepherd, and he is a lover of people. And... Uh, and uh, really excited to have him here today. Um, he's, um, he was the one who, just from the very beginning, when it was just a little seed of desire in my heart to plant a church, um, this man just carried me through that journey. And um, I remember calling you the day I was on PV Drive, and it was like, Tommy, there's this uh, condo available. Should we move? What should we do? I mean, they're giving us an opportunity, should we go? And it's in the middle of COVID. And he said, you know, faith is what started you on this journey. And faith is what's going to continue you on this journey. I think you should do it. And uh, yeah, so, and uh, so thankful for um, your prayer, your support of this church. Um, and really excited to have you bring the word today. So excellent. Welcome my pastor, Tommy Schneider. Good morning. Whoa! Oh, I feel taller. I feel a little bit stronger. If you can make you sound a little mountain one mount. <clears throat> Do you give me a little something? Yeah. Good morning. What a blessing to be with you today. I just, uh, I can't tell you how excited I've been to come down here and see your faces. And uh, Daniel and I talk all the time. And uh, he tells me all the things that are going on, and, uh, and so I feel like in many ways I know you. I've, I've heard the stories of uh, families getting baptized and friends getting saved and uh, just the uniqueness of what God's been doing in this building. Well, I, I want to start by saying, um, Lord Jesus, oh, would you just fall upon us here this morning? We love you. God, we're here to seek you with all that we are, and so we're inviting you, God, to do a work in our hearts and minds, removing what needs to be removed centering our hearts on you and your word. And we ask God you transform us by your presence in our heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. This church has such a, just a amazing leadership to it. And the pastors that are here and having uh, gotten to know uh, Rob and Ben Kim and Ben Kai and 
just seeing their character, seeing how they live, who they love, how they worship God has been truly powerful, truly wonderful, and it's great to have brothers here in town. And to watch how that leadership just coming alongside your pastor and, uh, and supporting and encouraging him and helping him and just uh, creating a foundation for, for what God wants to do. It's really just, it's, been, it's just been beautiful to see and to watch. So uh, we've been watching from Santa Barbara and just checking in and see what's happening and hearing all the news and, and it really has been, it's really powerful. And it's really, really very beautiful. God, God has something uh, truly miraculous in store for this whole area, you know, and I don't just say this street or this little portion of town, but I, I really believe this whole region is going to be affected by the work that God does through you, just the uniqueness of gathering, amen. I, I believe that with all my heart. So many uh, powerful miracles in setting the stage for this to be what it is today, you know, and even, even just where we are, where many churches struggled and fell apart and, and so on and so forth. We, we see God bringing a freshness and a life, and so it's just going to continue to go. I love your pastor. Oh, just love him. <laughs> see, there's the crying thing. I, told, I asked my wife to pray that I wouldn't cry. What's your... Did, are you, were you praying? You weren't. You tuned out. You tuned out. I got up here and you just tuned out. Okay. Um, so I got, I was, I, you know, I was listening. I was watching uh, Pastor Daniel, as I do often, uh, the sermons here, and, and just uh, following along kind of with, with you and where you've been. You've been in First John. What a powerful, powerful book. Great uh, expository teaching from all the pastors. It's just been a really, it's a, been a blessed, blessed journey through, through this book. Um, I was listening to Daniel's face, this, uh, looking, listening to his voice and looking at his face as he was teaching you. And, um, he loves you. And from a distance, I could see the shepherd's heart for you. As he follows our shepherd, it was just beautiful to see that. And there was many different things that he challenged us with last week in the Word of God that were, were were powerful, right? The idea of these warnings that are hard to talk about, but really important to apply in our life, to be alert and warm. I mean, think about what Jesus said even prior to going to the cross. Look, take heed, let no one deceive you, right? And there's these ways in which the enemy wants to come in and destroy and, and tear down, and yet uh, your shepherd was caring through the word of God uh, by the Spirit of God and bringing a warning and encouragement to you. And something that he said, uh, and he says often, is I, I long to see Jesus formed in you. That's a powerful statement. And you know, that, that, that's really God the Father's heart for us, is that, that we would be transformed uh, from the very core of who we are, born again from above, filled with His Spirit, empowered to be the men and women that God wants us to be. And so today we're going to kind of consider that as I get the last part of the fourth chapter of 1 John. Um, uh, I get this... <laughs> More, more than I could handle, actually. When I first wrote my notes, I had like 10 pages, okay? And so I can't even get through three pages typically when I'm preaching. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? There's so much in this. And I hope that what you'll do with First John is I hope you'll stew over every verse through it, going back and allowing God to just saturate your heart with it. Because John, when he wrote this, it was said, and in, in, uh, church history has it, and oral, oral heritage has it, that when John was preaching this, years after uh, Christ had died and, and was the oldest uh, disciple really still, or a, a, a disciple of, alive still, he was about 100 years old, he would travel from church to church, and it was said, and maybe you've already told him this, that, that he would um, uh, come into a congregation at that time, they would long to hear from him, not just simply reading that which he has written, but uh, hear from him, and that he would come up, and he would stand before them, and he would say, love God, 
and love one another. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> and so all the visitors are like, whoa, best pastor ever, right? <laughs> the, the sermon was, was done in a second, but, but very simple. Love God. Love each other, right? And then God's going to be seen in the midst of that love. And we're going to be kind of considering that idea that we are to love God with all that we are and love one another in such a way that the world sees it, that our spouses see it, that our kids see it, that everyone around us would see this light of love from within us. Now, love very differently than the type of love that we see in the world, right? We put the word love to many different things, right? We can uh, love our car, you know, we can uh, love, love uh, donuts. The donut holes were fantastic today. Thank you very much for that. We can love those type of things, and yet this love that John is speaking about is a whole different transforming selfless love. It has nothing to do with uh, what the earthly body or the earthly desires have, but rather a sacrificial love that transforms us. This is the love truly that every soul is longing for, whether it knows it or not. Every single one of us is trying to fill that hole, that desire for love, and it can only be filled by one person, and that's the work of Jesus Christ and the work that He did on the cross. And so um, in 1 John 4, verse 11, we finished with uh, Daniel's teaching last week. He said, Beloved, if uh, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He's saying, with this love in mind, that he has loved us in this manner and given his life for us, there should be this outpouring or this indication that a transformation has happened. It's not supposed to be just lip service, oh, now I say religious things, now I, you know, I've, I've got the, all the cool swag from uh, Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. I, I, it, it isn't an outward uh, um, necessarily showing, it's an inward transformation that the light has gone on, that God has redeemed and healed, and it's meant to leave a mark that's seen, and it's seen supernaturally by the folks in your life and the people that are around us. I was thinking about how this ties in with uh, indicator lights on appliances, and how often it is that I'm trying to get something to work in my house, and I'm looking for the light. You know, it's plugged in. It doesn't seem to work. Where's the, where's the light on it? You know, and you find the button, you turn on, oh, the indicator light goes on, ding. Yes, this one is now plugged into the source. It's a light. Uh, I, I can see now that it's plugged in to the power. But, but some of these appliances that we have don't have the indicator light. You can't figure out why it's not working. What is going on? And there's no light coming out of it. God, God, God is longing for you and I to be so connected to the king and what he's done that there would be an indicator light for the whole world to see in us. Ding! I'm connected to the one. E even in the face of trial, even in the face of great danger or struggle that we would have this light alive in our heart. It's working and that the world will see it. So we're going to kind of consider that principle all the way through this next portion. Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to go just uh, verse by verse through it as you guys teach this way. Uh, and I teach this way. This is how it's going to be taught. So <laughs> I got nervous all of a sudden. I'm in Daniel's church. Oh, my goodness. It's not Daniel's church. It's Jesus' church, but um, there we go. Let's make that very clear. Verse 12. Uh, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. No one has seen God at any time. Now, look with me, if you will, at John chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus himself saying, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. 
Jesus is the only one that has an eyewitness account of what the Father, right, Yahweh, God, the King of all creation is and what He looks like. Jesus knows it. And I love this moment where He goes, look, you guys aren't even going to see Him. The only one who truly knows Him is me because I was sent from Him, right? By the, so you've got this, this powerful picture as John says, look, no one has seen Him at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and then that love has been made perfect. So there's an indicator light. If we will love one another, God then resides in us and that light goes on in the world. It's how we love each other. So it's just a key element to this, this beautiful opportunity to be a witness in the world, how you and I love each other. Coming through this, these doors today in this church, man, we were loved, met, greeted, cared for, showed where the little lemon water was, which is a nice touch, I must steal that. And there, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff I steal from Daniel every time I come up here. Ooh, I like the little black, except my black name tag didn't stay on. Get better black t- name tags next time, so. Um, but I just, like, look for stuff to steal from Daniel because he's, he's, he's got a mind that way. So anyway, but, but um, I loved through the door, right? Introduced, uh, you guys introduced yourself to me. You made me feel comfortable and loved. It's happening in this place. Th- this is one of these places of indication where people say, oh, ding, 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 th- there's something different here. It causes the world to say, well, I want to belong to a group of people that care for each other genuinely. Not, not for appearance sake, but because our heart says, listen, our, our God has redeemed us, and now we're to lay our life down one for another and love in this manner that's transforming. The, um, the powerful ingredient of this is that God abides in us. If we love one another, right, the God abides in us. And so th- th- even though the world has not seen God, we have an opportunity to reveal God through how we're loving each other. And that, that's a really powerful challenge, to understand that that's what my spouse is thinking when she looks at me, is a, do I see in my husband the presence of the Almighty God, the Holy Spirit in his life, or do I see more of Tommy, you know, the, the, the uh, self-focused husband at times? Which, which is it, baby? No, I'm just kidding. May she see in me, right, that which we can't see here, the presence of God by him abiding in us. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered them and said, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If you love me, then you're going to be faithful to keep my words, right? And what does God tell us to do? Love him and love our neighbor as ourselves. So when we're keeping his word and walking forward in the things that we know he shared with us, right, his, he's, he's manifested in us. He's, that he finds a dwelling place in our heart, and they make up their, their house. It's, just, it's the idea that I know when my neighbors are home next door because the lights are on. And Jesus said, listen, if you'll hear my word, respond to it, then we'll come in and we'll turn the lights on in your home. Ding! Right? All of a sudden, the, the blinds are up and people say, oh, there's a supernatural sense and presence of the Almighty God living and dwelling in and among His people. God, God wants to make your heart His home. I, I love how it feels in my neighborhood when I know, because we've got these wonderful neighbors. I love seeing their lights on in the living room. I know, oh, oh, look at um, uh, Don and Cecilia are home. Oh, look, Scott and Molly are home. Oh, you know, just what, whatever, I can see it, and it, it, there's a comfort to it. Imagine what happens when you and I, we go back to our houses all throughout Palos Verde and up and down Southern California, and our neighbors begin to sense, oh, there's a light on there. They, they love me a little bit different than the rest of the neighborhood. My coworkers, 
maybe your coworkers begin to notice that. So this indication or this indicator of love. So he says this love, his love, has been perfected in us in this, that God has come and abided in us. So this, this idea of his love being perfected is a, a powerful uh, picture. Um, the word perfected, and, and if you'll bear with me for a second, I'm going to just give you the, the definition from the NLT. It says that his love is brought into full expression in us. So when we are loving one another in this way, God, because we're fulfilling his word, he abides in us, and then that love is seen by the world around us, and it starts to perfect and transform us from the inside. There's an accountability that happens when we've surrendered our heart unto the Lord in that manner. And that perfecting work is that it, this idea that this love from heaven is, being, is coming to full expression in our life. Now, what would that look like in your family if the love of God abiding in your heart came to full expression in your home? Would you be as nitpicky with your spouse? Would you be as short with your children? It, the reality is, no, you wouldn't. Neither would I, right? If I'm alert to his abiding in me, the indicator light is on, the spirit of God has filled me up. Now, am I allowing God to perfect that love and come to full expression around me? It, it bears with it the idea of being ripe. It's the idea that love becomes ripe. The fruit in your life being something that, oh, you know, everyone loves a good ripe piece of fruit. And I love, and, and so we lived for many years in Colorado, and we only got like really good fruit now and again during the winters. It was like, what is going on? But here we get great, you know, different things in season. When you see something ripe, it's, it's just amazing. You, you, you want more of it and more of it. Like, oh, the apples are doing great right now. Let's have those. And they're just so, just ripe and wonderful. But there's also something horrible that happens with ripe fruit. If you leave it and you don't eat it and it's not ingested, it gets stinky. Doesn't it? It's just like, oh, and it gets moldy, and it like all of a sudden has a life, and one day in the bowl it looks at you like, what's happening? It has eyes and stuff's going on. You know, it's furry. It's now become a pet. And some of our love has become that way. God's moved in it. We've been transformed by it, but because there's no expression of it, the light is not on. It's not being pushed out into our homes. It's, 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 it's stinky. It's a stinky expression, and it, it's gotten ripe, and it's not being used. You, you, your, your fruit must be devoured. There's a reason why God gives us His Spirit and allows us this life. It's so that the world is changed. Not just so that I can feel good and go, oh, I've got the coziness of the Father and the Son dwelling in my heart and the Holy Spirit filling me up. No, it's, 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 it's meant to have this outward expression, unused love stinks. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and, and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now remember, John is giving eyewitness account of that which he has seen and heard. He, he understands the fullness that God has come, right? And we know this. We know that God, uh, that we abide in Him and He in us because He's given us His Spirit. There's a confirming element to the power that we are now um, uh, plugged into the source of life, eternal life. And that's the Holy Spirit which is poured out upon our hearts. We are sealed in that moment of confession by God. And it's a marker to say, listen, we now dwell within you. What's so powerful about this is your soul knows it all well. If you've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, then in that moment, God said, I will dwell within you. And then there's these indicators in our heart as the Spirit testifies Ah, you're mine. Do you remember that feeling? Maybe it's been a while since you've 
you've stirred that feeling up, but God wants that feeling to be all the time. It's a powerful day when we wake up and go, oh, there's a testimony of God abiding in my heart and he's testifying to my own heart by his spirit that I belong to him. The indicator light is on. This is the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 16 and 17. I'll pray to the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see, um, cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. The indicator light goes on. The Spirit of God now dwells within us. And that means that the, 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 the mechanism is ready for use. It's been filled with that power and that hope and that love, and now it's got to be shared with those around us in whatever way we possibly can according to how we've been, we've been wired up. God's, God's fashioned us in this great way. And I, I, I think this statement is powerful in verse 13 where he says, by this we know. We know it. We know it because of the Spirit of God in us. And he confirms that we belong to him and that we are set apart for him. And this knowledge is, it's, uh, it's above a, uh, an earthly understanding. I think that science and poets and uh, musicians and artists have tried to somehow articulate love, right? In every, every arena, we've tried to wrap some words around it. I'm, in, in fact, trying to wrap some ideas around love, and yet it's, it's far past what we can even understand. It's wisdom that is from above. It's a, an eternal perspective. It's a supernatural work. So if we're busy trying to make our relationship with God a religious thing, something that we do, we're just going to do this, and if I do these things correctly, then, then we're, all, we're all good. Oh, we're, we're, we're missing it. It is a supernatural mystery. I, I, I think that's why I really resonate a lot with Paul's writings, because he, he was kind of a mystic of sorts in regards to his faith in God. He was so aware and alert to the word, right, to, to the word that he understood and he taught and, 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 and was trained in, but he was also so alert to the Holy Spirit, which said, by the way, everything you know is shallow compared to what I have for you. Can you imagine what happens if we leave this room and we walk out there and we go, what I know about God is like here, and he's got something great, you know, something grand ahead of me, bigger in my relationship, bigger in my home, bigger in this con community. It's, 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 a, it's a wisdom that comes from above. The Holy Spirit confirming and beginning to speak into our hearts. Let, let, let's consider the contrast between the earthly wisdom and love and the heavenly wisdom and love. James 3, verse 15, Jesus' half-brother. He said, this wisdom doesn't descend from above but it's earthly, sensual, demonic. And he's identifying the idea that if you're leaning on your own understanding, this understanding, this wisdom is from this planet. And so often our loving is, is contained just in the natural or, or the earthly understanding. And he says, oh, it's earthly, sensual, demonic. For where every envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that's from above, oh, it's pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, not stinky fruits, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, right? Wisdom itself, love itself in the same manner. We don't want it from this earth. We want to know that it's come from above. It's a supernatural love. So what this love does is it allows us to love the unlovable. It allows us to love the, the people that are hard to love. Everyone's got them, right? It's, it's holidays, so you've got some coming over for dinner at Christmas. You know they're coming. You're like, oh, Aunt Marge, impossible. She's impossible bless her heart. You know you're in trouble if you started to say bless her heart to anything, or bless his heart. He's coming over. Who knows what he'll bring? Bless his heart. 
Yeah, danger. Earth, that's earthly love, right? God, God gives us a capacity to go, okay, shake it off. I want to love like you love. I want to love at the highest level, right? And, 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 and this. So, so it's an, that indicator is where our wisdom is coming from. Is it from above by the Spirit of God confirming in our heart? Or, um, and then, then he says, we, we testify. We have seen and we testify. There's always going to be a testimony around this love coming from our lips. I think that um, sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of the time in this world that we're in, um, we're being told by the world, by the narrative there so, uh, in, through social media and whatever, that we should be quiet with what we believe. That you need to, it's your own, and so keep it to yourself, and then that way you won't be offensive to anyone. Well, I, I, I agree. Don't, don't be offensive and weird. That's just dumb. Don't do that. Don't be, don't be you know, self-righteous and, and strange. But you must testify to what transforms your soul. You, you, ha you have to. You can't have received Jesus without saying, look, I don't want anyone to miss it. Because if they miss him, then they perish eternally. And so that urgency it has to be experienced from us. And so John says, look, we, we, we know that we're, we are his and he abides in us because the Spirit testifies to it, gives us a wisdom from above, and we have seen and we testify to you God's goodness and what God has done. Our testimony. Remember the very first part of First John when you got in it, and, and I'm, I'm sure you, I, I, I didn't go back to hear your message on this this one, but he said uh, right in the very beginning he starts with his own testimony, what he's seen and heard. Right, this is what we've seen and we've handled and held concerning the word of life. And verse three he says that which we have seen and we've heard, we declare it to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? That your joy may be full. Do you see the love in that? He's going, I'm telling you this stuff, not just to, you know, tell you cool stuff, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, not just so that we can have a friendship, like, okay, if you believe the same thing, we have the same friendship. I'm telling you so we can have fellowship with the Father and the Son who will make their home in your heart. And so that neighbor down the way that you just see carries a burden and is walking everywhere and has no hope and is following some weird God somewhere, oh, doesn't your heart burn to go, no, I want you to know the truth. The testimony of the love of God which was poured out for all who would believe in Jesus Christ. And when you receive it, you picture his home right in your heart. And he testifies by the Spirit of God and he fills you up and lets you love the unlovable. And it comes out like indicator like ding, 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 ding. You now belong to the King of glory and you're seen by your love. It's got to be on our lips. Look at verse 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. John knew this. He saw so many martyred for their faith. He watched as one apostle, one disciple was murdered and put to death for their faith. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And as an, as an old man, probably over 100 years old, he's like, I'm confessing to you that if you confess Jesus Christ as God and Lord in your heart, you will be saved. He will abide in you in everlasting life. I've seen it as they're throwing my friends to the lions, as they're setting them on fire with oil. I know this to be true. It's radical testimony. It's, it's incredible. To, I can testify, Palace Verde is a beautiful place all over here, man. Why? Because I've seen it. I've seen it, and I'll tell you, it's good. The coastline, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Um, just, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Whoever confesses. It's something amazing that happens when our lips proclaim love. So, this past week has been a big one for me. Um, my father passed away this week. And uh, I had an interesting, long 
57-year relationship with my dad. A um, lot of brokenness at different times. I lived with him for the first 10 years of my life, and then the last 10 months of his life, I got him. And he had Alzheimer's, and he had dementia, and he was bipolar. And, and I love him. But he was a piece of work. You know, and I, I'm a piece of work. Just ask my wife. You can ask her if she wears happy clothing just to try to offset. Um, just a big smiley face on her. Um, and as a son, I had things I needed from him. And when I think about his life, and I did a lot of processing of that this week, just processing this life, um, I was reminded of so many beautiful ways he loved me when I was young. Things he left, little things I, I just laugh at and think they're great. Ways he was strong, things he made great. And that night before he passed away, I got to go be with him, my wife and I, and we got to pray over him. And he was, um, he'd had some big kidney failure, and, uh, or, uh, right? So that was a bunch of stuff was going on. And he was at the throes. I, I've been with people in this. I've been with many as a shepherd and a, a minister and a chaplain with people in these moments with family members. And I, I see it and I know the face. I know the look. I know what's going on. Maybe you know it yourself and you understand the feelings in that. And my dad was not capable of communicating anything. He was very close to the gates of heaven and we knew it. And we were praying over him and loving on him and holding his head. And I was telling him Psalm 23. I knew he loved that. I got to see my dad come to know Christ. I got to see him proclaim that in the later years of his life when he had some real balance to his thinking. And so I know where he is. I know where he is. I know where he's going. Even though he's a piece of work, he gets to heaven. There's hope for all of us. There's hope for all of us. And I had my hand on his head, and I was praying over my, my sweet honey right next to me, and we were just looking at him in his face and, and loving on him. And he couldn't, he couldn't connect or communicate anything. He was in some crazy pain, and I prayed for him. And there was some peace on his face. And I said, Dad, I love you. And he turned his little face. And no noise came off of his lips, but he confessed, I love you. And isn't it beautiful that God gives you the things that you need? And for me to hear my dad say that, that much, Daniel. Don't, I'm just, okay, it's not like it happens, but, but God in that confession blessed me with my father looking me in the eyes and his last, those was, was the last thing he would try to utter is I love you, son, you know? And our father has said, I love you by sending his only son for you. It's a message that's meant to be received and then confessed. It's got to be on our lips. I love you, Lord. He longs for it to come off of our lips, our adoration towards the King. In Romans chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, maybe, maybe you know this one by heart, right? If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with your heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made for salvation. Confession's a big deal. And it's not the confession that you think. We have to come up and confess it to somebody next year. Daniel's sitting here and everyone has to come by and confess something. That, that's just not how it is. The confession is right before our king. And it's, Lord Jesus, forgive me. 
make me your own. I receive the love that you have given me and now I confess back to you, I love you. I love you. You've given me life. There's a light on in my heart because I've been redeemed by the God of all creation. This indicator light goes on when we know and believe the love of God that he has for us. There's a confession and then our minds comprehend this. And a people that are overwhelmed by this love and not only make a confession with their mouth, but their minds comprehend God's love. Now, you'll never be able to get all of it, but isn't it fun to try every day? That, that is what, that's what makes reading your word so fun. Your pastor's telling you all the time, get in your word, read through your word, right? So, so we get into it, and we're like, oh, we're trying to, we're, our, 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 we confess, oh, I love you for this, but then our mind and our hearts try to wrap around the magnitude of that love, that when he looked upon a sinful world, men and women who would not follow and follow after idols and all this brokenness, and he saw the only way to redeem them would be in his ultimate and perfect plan from the beginning of the ages to send his son to be without sin, to live a life without blemish, to go to the cross for the sins of the world, for you and for me. And there at Golgotha, his hands would be stretched out his feet would be nailed to the cross and he'd have blood coming out of his side and down his face and down his back and through his feet. And there in that place, he would say, it is finished. I've done the work for their sin, paid for in full. He'd be buried in the tomb and risen from the dead and our Father has loved us that way. And when you and I are walking every day in awe of comprehending, we know the love that the Father has for us, things change. Addictions leave. My God loves me so much, he doesn't want me messing with this. My God loves me so much, why is that part of my, my life, my rising up, my lying down? Why is it there? So when we confess it and we comprehend it, those are, those are lights that go on in our life. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because he is, so are we in the world. Now notice this love being perfected by the Spirit of God in us, but then also among us. Such a key part is how we rub up against each other, that you sneak into this awesome room on, on, a, on a weekend and throughout the week, and you go in the back room and you become the engine room praying. I love that idea, stealing that one too. Totally stealing that, stealing that. Lemon water, engine room. Better stickers, stealing all three. Of I love them, but I'm better. No, <laughs> stealing them. But, the, but, but, but that's love, right? It's, it's, it's being perfected among us. You are so needed to the work here in Palace 40. You, you are. And, and Peter makes this wonderful statement about what it's like to be part of the body of Christ. We're living stones built upon one another. And when you've ever seen a stone a, a masonry, per, masonry person, a mason, yes, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, Sorry. Daniel's so much smarter than I am. But you put the, put the, the, the stones in the wall, right? They, they bump them up against one another, right? And they get the rough edges off and they settle them in there. You and I are living stones being built upon one another, settled into a spiritual household, he says, that is meant to be a place where beautiful, acceptable sacrifices are made before God, meaning service and love. We gather together, we're needed, right? We've got back there on the camera and helping with the sound and doing the worship and helping with the kids and coming and cleaning up afterwards and putting the chairs away and all this stuff, right? You're serving, you're, you're knit together. God is completing and perfecting that love among us 
but also in this way, that we have a great boldness, a great boldness in the day of judgment. This is a crazy thing because we should have a great fear of judgment and the judgment of God. He's a righteous, good God. People hate that word judgment, right? Don't we all hate it? I said it and a couple of you went, oh, oh no, he's going to talk about judgment. We just close up. Well, the reality is all of us will stand before God at some point and he's going to judge us on the basis of Jesus Christ who is perfect. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. So I go up there and it's like, next! I stand in front of him and Jesus in front of me. <laughs> Okay, he's good to go. Yes! Why do I fear the judgment? He's, it's on Jesus, right? Jesus has paid the price once for all. I'm found in him. He dwells in me. And so there's a confidence. So I don't have to fear of death. I don't have to fear, oh no, when I get to heaven, things are, I, my dad didn't need to fear death. Even with all his craziness and stuff in life, he didn't have to fear it because he's right now in glory. Why? Because of Jesus' love. Because he loved, loved, loved us so much he gave his life for us. And so there's no need for us to be, we can have boldness. That's another indicator uh, of the day. I had, we've had a dear friend this past you know, month pass away, Dave Brown. He was a, 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 just a leader in our church from the very beginning. Man I've known, was there when I got saved, was there when I got baptized, right? Watching him go into heaven was unbelievable. It was such a different deal. And he, even just, even when he had no power at all, lays his hand on praise over his, oh, I'm going to see him before I, you see, I'm going to see him before you see him, right? I'm going to see Jesus before you. Just, and so much fun and so much delight and so much freedom from fear. And he taught me how to die. And the scripture here says, listen, that light needs to be on. Are we just simply fearful? If we just need to somehow make sure we're staying alive? It's kind of what the world's being taught today, right? I mean, especially with all that's going on in the world, we're taught everything kills you, by the way. Everything does. You know, I mean, so that's good. At least we're safe when we're sitting down eating in a restaurant. Apparently, that's the only place that we don't die. We don't die. Which, so that's why I've been doing a lot of comfort eating, which is great because it's just a safe place. But, you know, we have no fear. There's, no, there, there's this boldness in the day of judgment. And then uh, he says, uh, because he is, so are we in uh, this world. Jesus stood out in the world. He didn't blend into the world. John says, listen, you've been loved. He lives in you. As Jesus was, so are we now in the world. But remember what Jesus said, the world's going to hate you because they hate me. We're going to be different. We're meant to have our light on. And that light on shares with a confession and believing and expanded understanding of the love of God that, that that light shines in the midst of it and we're meant to. We're not to hide away and to be somehow just have it for ourselves. No, there's people perishing everywhere around us that so desperately need this love. And so we get to be as he is. And I love how he taught us to pray. Jesus did, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right here, right now, with your spirit, by your spirit, may we stick out like you did, just like you did, and have a boldness knowing that, oh my goodness, Jesus has paid the price once for all. Verse 18. There's no fear in love. This is good news. But perfect, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So it would be a horrible, tormenting life if we had to be good enough to get to heaven. Can you imagine that? And, and every other religion out there has ultimately, and even within Christianity, people get to begin to make it legalistic, but 
but has ways you have to make sure that you are in order to get there. And that's fear. Guess what? The moment you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you welcome him to dwell within you. Oh, the fear is gone. Will you make mistakes today? Yes. Not Howard, but everyone else will make mistakes. We'll make mistakes today. We're not perfect. We can't, we, if we were to have to strive to be perfect every single day, that'd be a bummer church to come to. Could you imagine? A little checklist at the door, Daniel there with the clipboard. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we have only slip-on shoes in this church, <laughs> you know. Laces won't do. Out, you know. Well, okay, go down the street, you know. Try to find a different church. What a bummer. We get to come in as we are, who we are, and bring our real self to the real Jesus. As Pastor Daniel says, I love that. I love that statement. We get to come before the king and go, here I, here I am. Wash me clean. When I spent that time with my father, right, I'm, I'm, I'm with a, a man, a flawed man, broken man. He's a sweet, he's a sweet, loving, charming man. He wasn't perfect, but guess what? Accepted in the beloved. In the, in the kingdom of heaven. I can't wait to see him in heaven. It's going to be a whole different deal. It's like, what's up? Cool. It'll be a whole party thing that's going to happen. Maybe not quite like that. Way cooler, because it'll be heaven cool, but... Um, perfect love casts out fear. There's no, there's no torment. Well, our, our, our fear involves torment. It's interesting how much fear we put into the world around us when fear's been taken out because we are not going to be condemned in heaven through Jesus. We're going to have life everlasting, but we, aren't we fearful? We don't like discomfort. So we don't like discomfort here, and, and I'm, I'm one too. Something hurts, but well, I've got no shoes. The shoe hurts, right? Oh, great. We need to spend another 100 bucks for shoes. That's wonderful, right? I, I, I want to avoid pain and suffering just like you. We all do. But we have fear of suffering, discomfort, um, fear that we're not going to get what our dreams are, fear that it's not going to work out the way we want it to work out, all of our own plans, when really the goal is to stand aside and say, God, how do you want it to work out? Because whatever you want, Lord God, you get. Because you paid for me with your own sacrifice. You fill me with your spirit. And sometimes suffering comes. And I thought that so many times as I've wept many times about my dad and I've had to learn about mourning in a new way, right? It's, it's not easy. And yet, wow, has God taught me a lot. Whew. So many things I didn't know about myself and about my family and little weird. I mean, it's weird that my father can say one word and I feel nine again. How is that? What, what's that all about, right? <laughs> you learn, you, we learn interesting things, but, but, but I, 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 I love what God teaches through those things. doesn't mean it's easy, but it does mean we have a hope and no fear because there's no torment and there's no condemnation in Christ. We have this perfect love which casts out fear. So if I start my day pressing into the love of the Father, confessing Him on my lips, loving the people around me, allowing Him to blow my mind with the magnitude of His love and His goodness everywhere, just look around, just see the birds and the craziness of all the trees in this area, so beautiful, and you'll see Jesus everywhere. And as you're overwhelmed with that, God perfects His love in us, and He perfects it as we're loving each other, he perfects it as, um, as, we're, um, as we're moving ahead. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I got off of my notes. I went to wrong. As, as we're, um, I don't even know where I have my notes, Daniel. Oh, right here. Okay. We cast it off as we're right, abiding in God, loving others, and then how he's working it out among us. Try to never do that. So, like, if you look away from your notes too long and you come back in, just a side note. Just, just trying to love and just trying to help. I know it never happens to you, so <laughs> it's the case. But th those are the things where love is perfecting itself in me, and that perfect love, which is being perfected in me, is casts away fear. 
You know why I could go through the trials? Is because I have people that love me and love around me and lifted me up out of church praying for me. In a recent trial this past year in sickness and ended up in the ER and there are 30 men in the parking lot praying over me. Who gets that? The body of Christ does. When you're sick, your pastor will pray for you. Your elders will come in and they'll lay hands on you and, and, and we're not alone in it. And so this love perfecting among us casts off the, the, the fear. And that cast off is such a cool thing. It's like, uh, get it out of here. You see the guys casting? Drew and I, he, Drew's one of our elders in, in Santa Barbara who was part of the process of praying for Daniel to come up here. We're standing on the pier here yesterday in Redondo and some guy with his fishing pole, he's like looking for an opportunity to wing that thing out between us. We're, okay, just, what? Ah! cast it out. He's got to catch, I don't know what you're catching out there, it's big stuff, but it just, you know, we had to cast it, throw it out there, get it out of here. I love the, 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 the visual of casting off fear is, is a powerful one for, for us as we walk forward. I, I, there was a, a moment in, in uh, um, uh, Winter Olympics where this guy named Red, uh, uh, Red Jared is his name, a young kid. I don't know if you remember him in slope style uh, snowboarding. It was, a kid was just so talented. I don't know what he did this last time, but this is a few, few uh, Olympics ago. He was destined to win. Kid is so amazing, just flying out of these things, <laughs> landing, coming back, and just looking cool the whole time and all this stuff. And he had just tanked and tanked both of his first runs. Totally done. There's no, no real hope unless he scores like a, a million on the last run. Talk about a bummer moment. But if you watch the video, it's so cool. He gets up there, and you, you kind of you can tell that, like, this is kind of a bummer. I was sort of destined to win this thing, you know? And he's got, that's a heavy burden, and everyone's looking around. And all of a sudden, he kind of he pops around like this. He's like, he puts his hands out, and his dad comes over, hugs him. His mom's over there, hugs him. His buds are hugging him, high five. And then he went like this, I'm out. Boom! And he hit the thing, like, right then. It's such a cool moment. He cast off the fear, cast off the stuff, the, uh, the, the, the presence, and he got like an, a million on his point. Like the, the Russian judge was like, million! Unbelievable. Uh, it, was, it was absolutely mind-blowing. And he just hit this thing, and everyone's like, no! Oh, what? Ah! You know, and he just, just, just slayed the thing. It was crazy beautiful. We're to do that. Cast off that fear. Hug it out for Jesus and go for it. Go for it. Serve together. Love together. Reach this town together. Reach this world together because God dwells in us and the light is on. Casting out the fear. We finish on these last couple verses and then I'll pray for us. We love him because he first loved us. 36 different times in this little book in 83 different verses. Love, 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 love. All the way through it. John says, look, it's about his love for us. He's done the work. Now let's love him back, confession of our lip and how we love one another. Verse 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God, and this is a crazy warning at the end here, but hates his brother, underline this, he's a liar. And he who doesn't love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God in whom he hasn't seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. It sounds so harsh, and guys, it, it is harsh. It's trying to wake us up. Isn't it interesting how quickly we can kind of hate the guy near us, hate the people that don't think about stuff the same way we think? There's never been a more polarizing time in the world that I've experienced as a shepherd than this past seasons, even within the body of Christ. And there's a weird 
judgment and spite just from someone viewing whatever it is, right? There's politics, social issues, this COVID stuff. And man, aren't we quick to judge and hate our brother and our sister? <sighs> They're doing it this way. Oh, blah, and then it comes off of our lips. Ooh, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for the way that has happened in my life. May we be lovers of our brother. John just lays it out. He says, look, I've seen Jesus. I, 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 got, to, I got to hold him. I got, I, I got to uh, hear him. He leaned his head upon my chest at the table. I saw him go to the cross. I, I watched the work of redemption through the tomb. I have seen him risen from the dead. I watched the Holy Spirit poured out upon the church. I watched miracle after miracle after miracle. I watched people give their life for Christ. He is real. Take it, take it seriously. And when we take that seriously, whew, the love of God is perfected in our heart, and then that, the light goes on. Shting. May that be the sound of Calvary Chapel PV all over this van. Shting, what's that? That's the light going on. Will you guys stand with me? If Paul said this in Colossians to the, to the followers there. In regards to this, you know, uh, how do I love God? How do I, how do I live this out? And I, I just picked a snippet of it in verse 10 and uh, 11. He said that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Lord God, I pray for this family right here. And I love you, God, for what I see in the midst. I see your spirit. I see the indicator light on in this church. We're asking, God, it would be personal in each of our hearts this morning. And that, God, we would be a people who have sweet, joyful fellowship with you. That we'd embrace the fullness of what you've done for us. And so, God, we're inviting you this morning. Would you fill the dark, dark reaches of our, of our heart, the corners, the spots where we've been maybe hateful to our brother or our sister, where we've harbored unforgiveness, and we've just checked people off our list. Nope, nope, nope. God, would you, would you just, would you change our hearts today? Would you forgive us, Lord God, that we have held and harbored this unforgiveness and then show us how to love, love, love as you would love. Fill us, Lord God, today with a fresh move of your Holy Spirit in our heart. May we leave this place with a bold comprehension that you dwell within us. And that changes the dynamic of our friendships. It changes the dynamic of our families and our homes. And so do it, Lord God, do it. Fill us. Power us. We want the light to go on. We want, it to, want our spouses to see that in our face today, our children to know it on our lips, for our communities around us to hear the joyful proclamation and confession, I love you, Jesus. And Lord God, I pray maybe for some hearts this morning that would like to surrender their life today to you, to welcome the fullness of that love. And if that's you this morning, you can just right here, right now, be filled with the Holy Spirit and forgiven by Jesus. Would you just pray with me? Lord God, forgive me. Wash me clean. I want to belong to you. Come and abide in my heart. 
I'm sorry for doing it on my own. Today I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> I love you, Lord. For maybe some who've asked you into their life today and this past week and this past month, oh, thank you for the followers that are alive with the indicator light on. God, now may we love, love, love as you would ask us to love. May your love be perfected among us in Jesus' precious name. And they all said, amen.